Daily DVR Dives into Mindhunter is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Use code DVR20. That's all you got to do. Use code DVR20 today and save 20% off your order. If you've got an event coming up, if you've got... If you just want to look good, go to cufflinks.com and they'll help you out. They've even got a blog over there that details how to get prepared for these big events and order everything for everyone. You know, that can be a hassle. Let cufflinks.com help you do that. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Mindhunter. My name is Axel, and my co-host, of course, is the amazing Heath Sentazo. You can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com, and also consider supporting us and becoming a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. Send feedback to DVRpodcast at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about Mindhunter, Season 1, Episode 6. All right, we're picking right up off where we left off on episode five with the Beverly Jean case, Benji, Frank, and Rose. We're getting it all together solo. We're ready to do it. And before we dive in, we're going to do the same format. I'm going to do a quick overview of what happened, and then we're just going to kind of pick points and talk about it, meander around inside the mind of a hunter. Um, but we both were thinking before this episode started, why Weren't these both just one episode? Don't you think it would have been better as one episode? You know, yes. And because there's some of the same dynamics that come over to this one. Yeah. And it kind of, the last episode kind of ended abruptly with, you know, who killed, who killed, who killed Beverly Jean? I don't know. And then it, boom. So I didn't know if they were trying to do a cliffhanger thing. Was there order certain episodes that they decided just to cut them up? Because, I mean, these are short episodes. They're in the 30-minute mark. Yeah, the first episode Uh, five is... Is has a running time of forty two minutes, but when you take out the the intro and the credits, it's about thirty nine minutes. And this episode is like thirty six minutes, and when you take everything out, it's like thirty two minutes. So it really could have been one episode that was about an hour and twelve minutes or so, depending if they edited a little differently to keep it connected. So it really would have just been the longest episode. I think it's for episode count. I really do. Yeah. And if if this was on a network, yeah. it probably would have been a two-parter, possibly the same night. Um, or an extended episode. they would episode. have beefed yeah. it up. Yeah, they would have beefed it up with some yeah, extra they... footage or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be my guess. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it has to be episode count, because why do it this way it doesn't really make sense it's not the only difference here is that in this episode you get wendy goes home you know you get a little bit more of wendy um but besides that i mean you had holden hang out with debbie in episode five so this really could have been like a great one my kind of epic episode in the middle of the season because it does, every, this really sets the format for the show, right? 
where mm-hmm. they're going back and forth, Quantico a case, Wendy's involved, Shepard's involved, every you know, they've got a little bit of Holden's life, a little bit of Tench's life, a little bit of Wendy's home. It's really would make an epic middle episode. Um, but again, I know it's the same thing like with Stranger Things where Netflix forced them to do that extra episode last season um, to do like nine episodes instead of eight. So I think with this at a low count, they just wanted to keep it higher up there, you know? Yeah. Cause then they added like the, this is the next person we're interviewing that we'll get into, but it, it, and you know, they yeah, set up the next exactly. episode already. Yeah. You're so, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to run through it. This is a quick one. Um, we, we have a cold open BTK again, just sitting on the couch playing with a knot and a, and a rope as his wife nurses their baby. Super creepo. Just slice of life opening that door. It's like the gunslinger opening a door on the beach just to take a look at BTK. Close it real quick. Don't want to get strangled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shepard, uh, we open at Quantico. Shepard asks Wendy to manage the project and come on full time. She refuses. He asks her to take her time and think about it. He also tells her, don't tell Holden and Tench. Holden and Tench interview Benji again. Then they quickly interview Frank again. Then they interview Benji. They know who did it, remember? Rose gave them up. These are heightened interviews. We're going to talk about it more, but they just go back and forth, back and forth. They go back to Quantico. Holden and Bill play the tapes for Wendy. Wendy notices that Rose says splashing instead of splashed. They think that they all did it together. Wendy plays an important part here. We then have a little interlude where Holden and Debbie go to dinner at Bill's house. It's weird. Dinner at Bill's, <laughs> dinner at Bill's house. Yes, it's a weird scene. Um, they're kind of interrogating and profiling each other. And... Uh, Tench's wife seems like she took a little speed. Uh, <laughs> Wendy goes with Holden to Altoona because um, Tench has to prepare for, he has to be a witness in a case and uh, do some FBI work. And Wendy, now she's on the team, they say, hey, you should go convince the DA because the DA is trying to give a it looks like he's going to give a deal to Frank and Rose and pin it all on Benji. They, um, Wendy kicks ass. She explains to the DA in a beautiful and succinct way about the strange dynamic that occurred here. But the DA says to Wendy in right there in the office, I don't know if people are going to understand this. And in the mm-hmm. and in, this becomes fundamental to the show as well. We get a little bit of Holden asking Wendy about her life. Wendy responds by asking him if talking a lot is what he does when he's nervous, which is kind of mean because she's actually nervous about having to go home. We find right. out that Wendy is a lesbian and her partner is a dean or someone high up in the university here. And the dynamic immediately changes. Wendy is kind of the hold in 
And her partner is very gregarious and holding court. They go out with some of her friends. She has a larger-than-life, strong personality that Wendy seems to be in the shadow of. It's a very interesting scene. We go back to Quantico. We find out that the DA did make a deal with Frank for the exact reasons that Wendy and Holden feared. He was afraid the jury would not understand. Wendy, Holden, and Bill meet in their office. They again go over the questionnaire, and exactly as you say, they find out about a new uh, person that they're going to interview. Then Wendy moves into a new apartment and there is fantastic wallpaper in the background that my dad used to have pillowcases that looked exactly like that. <laughs> That's the episode. Now let's dive in. Oh, talk about it. it. Yeah. All right. That was so cool. So I thought, I thought, Folo, we could do this kind of like three parts. Uh, there's a Wendy section, a Holden and Deb section with the dinner with Bill and Nancy, and then the case. finish up the Altoona. All right. What would you like to hit first, my son? Let's talk about Wendy first. I want to kind of yeah, dive you into know what? that. I like that. Yeah, this was interesting because, um, you know, so far we did get a little bit of, we didn't really know that much about Wendy. We know that she's incredibly intelligent, beautiful, um, in control, it seems, of almost every situation she's in. And here we see her in a totally different light. And I found it to be totally interesting. And at the same time, we find out about her sexuality and we see her partner who is seems to be what Wendy is projecting to everyone else when she's at the FBI. We also find out that she has to hide that she's working for the FBI because just like we saw in episode one where Holden got all this resistance when he went to the university, um, right. she's getting that same resistance that everybody hates the feds. So I just yeah. – this was really cool to me. I thought they handled this really deftly. Um, and the scene when he when she's out with her friends – and they're all talking about, you know, how people have interior lives that they hide. It was exactly like what Kemper said. Mm. It was the same thing. Good old Ed. It was crazy. Yeah. And, you know, when they're, when, when, uh, and uh, her girlfriend's played by the great Lena Olin. Yes. Who I uh, love. Alias. Alias. Yeah. She's also an alias. Um, and uh, Romeo was bleeding. Great movie with Gary Oldman. Um yeah, when when as soon as like oh we're gonna go meet some friends and they're drinking wine and they're having a conversation. That's the point in the conversation where I'm like, "Where's the peanuts in the football game? I can't handle this." Shit. I loved it. So man. I, yeah, I thought it was. Fun. Yeah. So when Wendy, <laughs> Wendy, <laughs> so Wendy, you're right. It's like when she's in, in at Quantico with Holden and Bill, she is the you know, the lead dog when she's back in Boston, she's second fiddle and is being sort of controlled. And even when their hands, uh, when her girlfriend touches her hand during the conversation, she looks at the hand and it's almost like 
I have control over exactly. you. Exactly. You will do what I say. I am the leader. I'm guiding uh, the conversation. You need to stay here. I'm guiding the conversation. Yeah. You have three months for your review, or you know, you need to do what's best for what looks better for me. And 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 I'm 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 very happy that she just gets up, takes her jacket, and gets the hell out. And you know, we don't need a scene where they fight and be like, "Why'd you leave?" What? It's just it's we don't need to see it. It's all there in reaction. It's there in the conversation that's going on. She makes her decision because when they're sitting on the couch and they're talking about it. The, the, her girlfriend's not like, well, what do you want to do? What is best for you? Exactly. Or, you know, tell me what's going on with you. She's like, you don't need to do this. And this is, you know, your place is here and all that. And, and that's all that um, Wendy wanted was to have a real conversation. Be like, you know what? Take the job. If that's what you want, we'll try to make this work. We'll, you know, or, you know, but no, there's no support there. And that just irked her. To, yeah. she, that's all she wanted. Yeah. Even like you notice when she comes in to see her at the office and her girlfriend's like, well, why don't you go home? And, you know, I got to finish up here <laughs> and you go <laughs> home. And do, And it's like, geez, you're not happy to see me? Like, really? Just telling her what goes, to do. Like, she's then, a child. Telling, yeah. And then she's like, well, I got this thing I want to talk about. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, I need to be controlling this. I need to know this now. All right, let's you know, and they go home. And it was just very interesting how little subtleties, little lines of dialogue, little reactions say it all. And you don't need a shitload of dialogue. Yeah, it's all there. And what a what I mean, Lena Olin and Anna Torv just really, man, hit it out of the park. It there there's short scenes. There's not a lot, but man, you feel like you've known these characters. And it's funny because. You know, when Holden takes Aunt, uh, t- takes Wendy to the airport, uh, previous episode, do you have anyone picking you up? No, I'm taking a cab. Like, you're, it's like little, like, trying to get, like, what's your personal life about? Holden's trying to do that small talk thing. Yeah. And she's just, like, has nothing of it. And then we find out, boom, uh, you know, her life in yeah. a nutshell. And it's interesting, too, that when Lena Olin says, do, do they know that you're gay? And she says, of course, of course not. But the thing is, she says, but I also have to hide from everyone here that I work for the FBI. So what are the levels of hiding, right? Like, when is a lie a lie? And in what world are some things acceptable and some things aren't? And it brings that up to bear. And as we'll see as the show goes on, Wendy's sexuality plays a part into the way that she begins to see the cases, but that also sexuality is a big part of these cases. And at this time in America, it was only recently that I believe that the DSM had changed from homosexuality being a mental disorder to being uh, just a different form of sexuality. You know, for a long time in this country, people felt that homosexuality was a mental disorder. And Wendy, coming from the educated viewpoint, knows this. She knows that even educated people felt this and that she might run into this at the FBI. But yet still, the work is so important to her, right? That she's willing to, th- to in the end, because she obviously 
it's great how they're standing at the bar and she just walks off. And then we never see, that's it. We don't see her say, I'm leaving you. We don't see her do, she just at the end, she's in the apartment and we know the decision that she's made. And I love yeah, the, and- the, econom- the economy in which that happens. Cause I didn't need to see a scene with them fighting or breaking up or anything. No, no. And I love the apartment. I, I love the retro apartment. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. I just love it. I, and my dad did have uh, sheets and pillow covers that were in there, that exact pattern. That was a popular pattern back in the day. I had a shirt when I was a kid, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, probably with a pocket over the chest, right? I like that. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, so this is yeah. great stuff with Wendy, and I like the, ti- the time that they take, and it's great to see how we're studying, and so much of this show is about how do people act, but what does this show us? Some people act very different in different situations, right? And it brings us into the case. Let's talk about the case and how okay. we see the way that Frank and Rose and Benji all are acting. It's so hard to decipher if you think of them in one way, how could they act in this other deviant way? And that's kind of humanity. And um, let's let's first talk about the rapid fire interviews that kind of start out um, the episode, how they go from Benji to Frank to Benji. That was amazing, man. Yeah, and 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 the clunky recorder <laughs> is like its own character, as we mentioned. It's like okay, we're done, and and, and even the like, Benji's Slams ready to get a down. cigarette and. And re- and then they're like, yeah, he, they grab the recorder. All right, we're out. And he's like, wait, you don't want to talk to me? And it's like, but the clunky recorder it plays such a big deal as because it's such a, all right, if you're not going to tell us what we want to hear, let's pick up our stuff. Oh, da, da, let's move on. You know, and it just, I like the quick pace. Um, it, it shocked me uh, as the beginning. I'm like, oh, wow, they're really going at this. Yeah. Again, you know, setting up where they know they they feel they know what's happening and they need to get answers. And uh, it's a big difference from interviewing Ed Kemper. Yeah, a big difference. And it's also mirrors what happened in the previous episode when they did the same pattern. They interviewed Benji, Frank, and then they, they went back to Benji. So it's kind mm-hmm. of mirroring that. But also it was it, it's confusing because so much of – Tench seems to have so much uh, anger now, right? Like it's really kind of boiling up, especially in this part. Um, yeah. And they still are, they still seem to be concentrating a bit more on Benji. And it's almost as like the same reasons that Frank did because he's so weak. It, it makes you angry, you know, and especially Tench seems to get really still like angry at Benji, but that also seems to be the better way to deal with him because he gets scared. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And, 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 yeah. And you know, he breaks down about uh, Beverly Jean finally. And I, I think didn't he even Holden even say like, 
why were you crying? Or he, yes, he's, yep, that's a question he asks. Why he says like, why the fuck were you crying like that? <laughs> you know, he's so angry at him. But it's not really until I think the rapidity of that also shows the emotions that tension Holden are maybe getting a little bit too into it, right? A little bit too much of the winging it. And it's not until they go back to Quantico and they play those tapes for Wendy and Wendy kind of slows it down, explains what's going on. And then she also says, oh, by the way, Rose said splashing. And then it didn't. They missed that detail. They did. They did. Because I think they were, they too were kind of caught up in it. And it, it, I mean, gosh, you know, I'm not a cop. I've, I know you've played one on television, but, um, I, uh, <laughs> you, you have, <laughs> I, um, I can't imagine having to hold back an emotion in this time, especially when this, this murder is so gruesome and so complicated and incestuous, um, that it took Wendy being removed from it to notice that and then they can kind of come up with the theory and see that they kind of all did it together that they all even though it seems that frank was at the forefront they all hold a part in this but frank really is the ringleader take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor cufflinks.com you know sometimes i just go over to cufflinks.com i look at their awesome products and i say to myself how lucky i am to have this amazing sponsor they've got the coolest stuff over there man i just you know what they sent me and i'm going to be giving these away some popcorn cufflinks listen to all our podcasts at dvrpodcast.com to find out how but they've got awesome stuff over there so go to cufflinks.com slash dvr and use code dvr20 They've got socks, ties, cufflinks, money clips, tie clips, so much cool stuff, uh, even like pocket squares, just any way to kind of make you look good. Those little touches always help. Don't forget the little details, baby, because cufflinks.com's got them for you. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclairadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. A a great point you make there. And, you know, because last episode, from what I remember, you know, know, we were talking about the format questions and, well, go with your gut and emotion. But this is the point, like you just said, where their emotions have gotten the best of them 
And that's where you need the compromise. You need to go back to the format as well. It's it's doing it's actually when you think about it, you, they all need each other and they need to do both. Yeah, definitely. and that's how because sometimes you'll get people who will tighten up and not talk if you're going nuts. If you you know you got to know are you going to be their friend? Are you going to be tough? Um, but I can you know can sense their frustration because this Benji character, I mean, well played by the actor, but man, you just want to smack him. Yeah, you know, I just I'm, I, he's just. He is annoying. Like what Holden said about the crying and how he just wanted him to stop and not, you know, he, he didn't feel for him. He just wanted him to shut up. Yeah. And and, and, um, and he was and, right, too, right? Because in the end, Benji walks in on a man raping his girlfriend and blames his girlfriend. Right? Like yeah. Frank had <laughs> so demoralized him and he had a, a, a – and you know what had allowed himself to, it's it's absolutely disgusting and you see that in the end that disdain that you were describing in this and our last episode that Tench had for him and that you're feeling too is totally warranted this guy's yeah terrible. And now yeah and so that there is i mean we'll get to the da part and all that but um to skip ahead just a little bit because it's relevant here because there's conflicting things now, um, because it, it the two theories is that like what you just said, uh, Frank was raping her, and then you know Benji walked in, or she was already dead, and then Benji raped her to get his. Satis- it's like which one did what, and it's uh, yeah, so it's, I don't know. It's all pure conjecture, right? I mean, I think that, yeah. and then they say that. Benji, after they buried her body, Benji went back and stabbed her and mutilated her because he couldn't let then, go yeah. of what had happened. But that was what Frank told them. So in the end, yeah. this is a really interesting case because we don't know what happened. There, it, We don't get a law and order breakdown where the person can uh, like admits to everything that happened. And I think that's an interesting part about this, too, because all the cases that Holden and Tench are going back and interviewing people are just the same. We don't really understand what happened. So we as an audience get to be frustrated in a more tangible way about the details and we get to see why it's so important to fill in these details of why these men do what they do. Because the details actually matter in trying to figure out mm-hmm. how things like this happen and how to stop them in the future. Yeah, and so the, what it comes down to is the DA, they put, they're putting Benji away and then what, Frank and Rose are going like mental institutions? Yep, yep. Um, and that, of course, pisses off Holden and uh, Bill to the eighth degree. But it comes to the thing where Wendy... And Holden, we're talking about in the car, and what happened with the DA was, okay, you got this great profile, you got all this great information, but communicating it to the people. Yep. I mean, so what does it matter? If we're doing all this work, and we're analyzing, and we're coming up with these great profiles, and but if you can't communicate it to the jury, they're screwed. And this type of thing will happen, where you'll get a plea bargain, because the DA, as much as, you know, 
uh, Bill and Holden were just like, oh, this dude. They do shake his hand, even though they deny a a cheesesteak lunch. (laughs) They do. But yeah, they do. Like, I I couldn't remember when I was watching. I'm like, oh, do they not shake his hand? But he does. He's like, hey. Yeah. Um, But, you know, as much as you want to hate the DA for doing it, I mean, what was he supposed to do? Exactly. You know, and unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But from his perspective, this is the best. result i could get at the lowest cost yeah and and that that's sad that's sad too i mean you're th- you know small time you know you want to spend less and get a, the best result but unfortunately that's law and economics uh it happens like that in lower profile cases yeah he and and the i like the way the show does not paint the da as a bad guy you know he listens to wendy he tries to get, he says to her, you got to convince me. And she does a great job, but he, she does a great job to us. But you can imagine that the DA is sitting there thinking, gosh, half the people on this jury have like not even a high school education, you know, are they going to understand mm-hmm. what she's saying? And also that it's a woman that's saying like, even if I were to put her on the stand to explain it, how am I going to explain it? I barely understand what she just said to me. So it it shows us too, Solo, that in the same way that the serial killers communicate with the press to get their message out, the cops, the FBI has to start communicating with the public and the press to yeah. let people know that this is what is happening in the world. We've discovered a new way of identifying these killers. We need the public to assist us. It can only work if we all know about it. And that's a really interesting point here. Um, But it's sad the way it works out. But in the end, Frank was the guy who did all this. In my mind, Frank manipulated this family since childhood, since he was a teenager and got involved in them and had probably been doing other weird things with Rose and Benji and the mother that we didn't even get into. And if they had had the opportunity to have Frank open up, we probably would have found a litany of strange things that Frank had had them do or that had gone on with Beverly Jean before. So it, we only get a little bit of that though, right? We don't, they don't tell us all of it. And I like that. Yeah. And then what about uh, Frank, uh, smirk to hold him oh, and yep. Bill when he's getting like it's very subtle and and, and and you know what you may not even happen but you feel like it happened I'm sure it did but like even when not really seeing it you know that's the reaction he was given yep. like he got off so easy and he's the smart guy and he and it's like relax dude Disgusting. you manipulated people who maybe aren't as smart and who you know anyway it's just it's sad yeah it was uh, sa- but at least I wonder if we'll ever see Frank again, because it would be interesting if the show returns to him and Oh, and interviews him. Yeah, and interviews him or, you know, something else happens. I wonder if the show will ever return to him. I thought that was really interesting. Um you wanna talk briefly about the um do you have anything else to say about Frank? No, no, Frank I just think a great actor. Yeah. And uh, he's been in a ton of stuff and he just really uh it was really well done. No, I'm good with Frank. Benji, I'm glad he's going to jail. Um, 
And poor Edward. Now, now you're seeing my stressors. <laughs> your stressors. Let's talk a little bit about, just a quick bit about the dinner um, at Holden Yeah, I want to say real quick. Yeah, so at, as Holden and Deb are getting ready uh, to, to go to the dinner, you know, she takes off his tie, you know. There's a great song by Jerry Rafferty called Baker Street. And one of my favorite songs, and I realized I didn't have it in my iTunes library, so when I first saw this episode, two years ago, I was like, oh, that's the song. And so I downloaded it, of course, like we do a lot of these things. And I just, I, I think I've been playing it for two years now on my I like, love that song, playlist. Uh, yeah, and it, you quit the booze and the one night stands and talk about everything. There you go. So, and it has that awesome <laughs> saxophone kicking. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Which has, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, like the Layla, um, like piano and stuff, which is used in Goodfellas, that a lot of people don't realize it's Layla, um, yeah. because it sounds different than the song. That has well, the end. Yeah, yeah it's the end of this. The- yeah, that this that little saxophone uplift has been used in so many films and TV where they just where they play the song really, really low, <laughs> right? And then that kicks right. in. Um, yeah, there's a I lot of Rob music. Lowe playing the saxophone. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of good music in this episode. And um, this whole thing with Holden and Debbie and they get ready and then they go to dinner at Bill's house. And Bill's wife is like just really so happy to be making any she's type had a of few, pain. I think. Yeah, she has, but she's also she's had a few and she's happy to be yes. around another couple. Exactly. She, she's longing so much to have that normal white picket fence life, right? Like she just wants to be happy with a child and a family and have people over and they're another couple and they work with her husband. Um, but of course, it gets a little too per she's dropping all these weird kind of like passive aggressive comments about work and stuff and then her and debbie kind of talk and then what do holden and tench end up talking business you know but it's a nice little scene yeah no it is and i call it lincoln logs and simon says you know yeah um Oh, yeah, right. We see the kid, too. Yeah, and he just won't talk, and Holden does his best to try to get through. And, you know, Bill sits down, and he's, like, all excited. Wow, someone else with my son. This is cool. But then, of course, it, you know, he doesn't do anything. Um, I did, you know, (coughs) well, excuse me. You listen to the Daily DVR. Can I make one comment about that before we move on? As a a dad... As a dad, one of the things I have to say is um, Tench really doesn't try too hard. Um, you can see the way that Holden gets down on the floor with the kid, right? He's patient with mm-hmm. him, and he just sits there with him. But Tench doesn't do that. It's like if the kid doesn't yeah. want to throw a football and be a macho little boy, Tench doesn't have any interest in him. So I have to say that Though I find Tench to be so interesting in so many different ways, his failure as a father is just is just like shining bright in these scenes here because he just has given up on this kid. He's not it doesn't seem like he's actually trying to meet him on his level. He can only have the kid 
rise to his. Right. And, you know, and, and it's just like, it's just like, just spend that time. Yeah. They're so quick to, hey, oh, Lincoln Logs went, okay, bye. It's like, spend some time with them. Lay down on the floor you know? with them, like, roll around, dude. That's what I did. Yeah. I mean, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, no, but yeah, it's, you can tell like it's just, <laughs> so, he's just not a focus point of yeah. Bill's life. Nope. You know, and it's all thrown on Nancy and she finally gets to let off steam. And when they're at the dinner table and kind of like Nancy digs at Bill yeah. about, you know, not sharing, like, oh, Holden tells me everything. Well, yeah, you know, you know, and you see that, um, there's an awkward when they laugh when they laugh about the holding the whole brooklyn thing in the midwest um it's interesting i don't know if you've ever been in this situation where your wife or a girlfriend or is says some comments and you know something's not right but then there's a collective laugh and he really bill really gives out that laugh like that's pretty funny and but and he looks to his wife, but his wife doesn't look at him, and he thinks everything's fine, but it really isn't. Yeah. It's this weird, awkward mm-hmm. moment. Like it was nice for them to laugh, but you could. I'm still thinking about her digs yeah. about their relationship, and and so it was just so tough, and I felt bad. Um, and, and it just it just seemed like in a short time, you know, unfortunately, uh, not newlyweds, but they, you know, Deb and uh, Holden seem like you know they talk a lot and and nancy that's all she wants right now even but bill's trying to protect her and be like you know like we uh you know you don't want to see this stuff you know he doesn't want to bring it home per se um and it's just it, it it's tough and, and uh so it'll be interesting to see moving forward uh if that takes a strain on their relationship uh again mine hunter they drop things in they foreshadow they everything's done for a reason and uh so it just yeah i you know it was funny axel i was thinking of uh another dinner scene from true detective yeah and i'm like wait a minute is this where the big fight and then i'm like oh it's this it was a lot more harsh <laughs> uh in that one but it kind of reminded me of the same thing yes of, this was very you know, subtle couples and yeah, yeah, very subtle. Yeah, you're right. That that would be a great film class or even screenplay class to like watch both of those scenes because in this one it's really subtle and w- and when she makes those little digs, they kind of keep it moving or Holden says or Tench says something, but that feeling is there and it's really quick, but it communicates all it needs to. Uh it's really efficient. And I thought that that was a great little scene. And I think it's also cool to see um, Wendy is just kind of floating along through it, you know? <laughs> She's like, yeah. all these people are weird, man. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and the Brooklyn thing I thought was kind of funny, too, because, yeah, there, he's always like, yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. But then again, I'm from Jersey. And you know what? He does kind of seem like he might be... You know, I don't know. It's not, I guess back then people thought, you know, Brooklyn was a different place, but now it kind of does seem yeah. like he would be born in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just really funny. But yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. I just, it, um, but you know, Nancy gives, uh, Holden such a big hug. Yeah. Like finally yeah. I get to meet you. Finally. Sweet. I know who my husband's spending all this time with. 
it, it just, yeah, you're right. They probably had a couple cocktails, but Nancy just wanted this dinner party so bad. And, and, and I can only imagine she's at home alone most of the time dealing with a kid who's has a lot of problems and, you know, and it's interesting because when she's when they're doing the dishes and Deb and her are talking and it's like, you know, Deb's like, it's a good thing you did for him, adopting him. And she's like, oh, I didn't do it for him, <laughs> you know, and it just like, you know, she's doing it more for herself. And then she's realizing and then Deb's like, why can't it be both? And it's a little interesting there, but they really hit on a point where um, they don't know. Before he went to the orphanage, they really don't know there's a missing part of his life yeah. that they don't know about, yeah. like what he went through and stuff. And that's kind of scary, especially dealing with what we're dealing in this show is, I mean, was he abused? Was he, uh, you know, I mean, who knows? Did You know, was his parents, you know, crack addicts or, you know, did they love him but just were like, eh, we're too busy. We're really, you know, we don't need, you know, you don't know. Uh, why he's in an orphanage? Did, did they die? Because they did they die in a car wreck? I thought I I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm mixing shows here, but anyway, um, <laughs> it, it is yeah, cool I don't even know. because they- it it you're right. It's a question that it seems um, Tench will never know. And for a man whose whole job is to find the answers to these questions, you can see now looking back at this whole case. Um, how it may must have affected him, you know, seeing mm-hmm. how people can be changed like that. And, you know, was there a Frank in his son's life before he came along is a question that Tench probably asks himself. Mm. It's a hard one. Yeah. Um, we end yeah, up this is- episode when you, and you had mentioned it um, earlier uh, with the mention of someone who will become important in this season and in this series, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about, which is Wendy sits everyone down and says, hey, guys, we got to keep it moving. Let's get back to the research because, the you know, the case didn't work out. So Wendy wants to go back to research. I got a guy. His name is Brutus. He mutilated women and he loves shoes. Sounds fun. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right? Like, she's got to, and then Holden's like, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I know. It's like, yes, shoes and He's so and excited. Mutilation. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't wait. But that's going to bring us to the next episode. And um, she also does mention, we got to start using the questionnaire, right? We got to get to the standardized yep. questions. So this is an interesting, again, I think in both of our opinions, this may have been better as a mega episode, especially when it kind of ends with this on the next episode, you know, which is unlike Mindhunter. It's kind of a weird format, but I enjoyed it. And I thought this was a nice quick episode Um, and it's moving us on and we're getting, we're going to next, next episode. We'll be talking about our man Brutus. Well, maybe your man, Brutus. Oh, Brutus. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Well, that's what we got for today. Anything else you want to add about this episode, Solo? Oh, there also was this song, I Just Want to Stop for Your Love. Love. Yeah, man. uh, 
this is great. I'm on a um a couple of Mindhunter Facebook pages, and one of the mm-hmm. best parts of it, besides all the people posting a lot about serial killers, which I'm not really I don't need to watch a million interviews with Ed Kemper, but um people are so into the music and they're always posting links and remind, Hey, remember when this song was used here, the use of music and Fincher has always had great use of music, but this episode in particular, you're right. Solo great. Yeah. We should do a special, maybe there's a special mine Hunter DJ solo episode we could get. I don't know. Oh yeah, baby. There will be. I, like I guarantee it. it. I like it. it I guarantee happen. it. I will. It is. I'll put that in the works for a special Mindhunter edition of DJ Solo spins the tunes of the Hunter of Minds. I like it. Well, until then, everyone, we will be back next episode to talk about episode seven of season one of Mindhunter. Catch us at DVRpodcast.com. You can also email us, DVRpodcast at gmail.com. Solo, I'll let you take us out. All right. Good Good job, Folo. I love this show. And thank you guys so much for downloading. You know, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us uh, generate the buzz for the pod. And I like it because anyone can pop in at any time. You'd be like, oh, there's a Mindhunter pod. I can listen when I want. It's kind of the new format of what we're up against with great shows from Netflix. So um, enjoy it. And remember, one thing. Whenever you're feeling down, just go down to Baker Street with Axel Foley.